All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that appears to be recording. Yes, that's correct. Um, there we go. One minute, two minutes. Oh, now we might just be recording now. So I'm going to start my intro again. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast with uh, only a second round introduction this week. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Yeah, we had a lot of zeros and it was just sitting there and now it's counting up for which I assume are seconds. And that's that's uh, we'll go with that. Um, and seconds played a pivotal role in this weekend's uh, past weekend's NFL draft because, you know, you had to kind of be keenly aware of how many seconds there were uh, between picks and the Bills started drafting uh, in the second round. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's that's well, planned, sir. well done is right uh so eh, we we talked about this a little we didn't do it you look it's weird right like usually we do a pre-pod about the draft and then we do a post-pod about the draft because the draft is like so massively important and i'll throw this to scott first i don't think it's right to say the draft wasn't important this year but it certainly hasn't had the importance of previous years what with there being no first round pick and the bills kind of being good is that a fair assessment scott well if you had read for those of you who have read my little diatribe that i put on the the facebook page mm-hmm. yes that is that is quite what i would say it's almost thank as if i set you up for that it's- <laughs> thank you thank you for that 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 beautiful intro um but uh yeah no, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is it is weird for a Bills fan to look at the draft as a part of the offseason, like I'd imagine the rest of the league does, and not like, oh, man, we really got to get this draft right, <laughs> oh, or this team's going to be unwatchable. And then the in- inevitable, then once you get – once you're in that mindset, then everything takes on so much more value, like – you spend that much more time agonizing about, you know, this guy versus that guy and what position versus that position and best player versus value and all these other things and trading and all these other things become such more critical pieces because so much of the off season depends on how well you do in the draft. And it's not that it, again, like for the long-term success of a team, I think it's proven at this point that nothing is more important than, well, I mean, maybe having Tom Brady, a quarterback, having mm-hmm. Bill Belichick as your coach. And then after that, it's drafting well. <laughs> and then um, it's it's still very important, and the Bills will continue to do that. But for this year, for this team, given everything we've talked about in the offseason, that you know the Bills are pretty much pushing their their chips to the middle of the table. They're uh, you know, they're pick any metaphor you want. They went out, they got Stefan Diggs, but Tom Brady's gone. All the long-term stuff is now the long-term stuff that we don't really care about. Now it's just about this season and can they win. So, yes, the the draft this season can help you win. Obviously, now with your first-round pick gone, that means you're even less likely to find an impact player that's going to be getting onto the field for you as a first-rounder. A second-round pick can do that, but it, it, it takes some of the criticality out of getting the draft right, and then it also makes it just harder from a – strictly kind of modeling and simulation perspective, you know, when you only have 10 variables and you're picking at 11, then you can model out how that's going to work with some degree of, you know, you can explain people the methodology that gets you there. When you're picking at 50, you can't, the number of variables exceeds your ability to, to, to predict with any kind of real sympathy. So you're left with these kind of broad generalizations of, Oh no, a DN sounds fine. (laughs) Um, Before Paul jumps in, I I just wanted to point out, I looked up the word criticality, and it is a word, uh, which was great. And a criticality accident is a term where in uncontrolled nuclear fission chain reaction, it is sometimes referred to as a critical excursion, critical power excursion, or divergent chain reaction. So excellent use of the word, Scott. Um, Paul, do you agree? And do you you think that... um, I mean, yeah. Do you agree with Scott's outtake? And and can you use a similarly awesome word? Oh man, I was already trying to figure out a way to work criticality into it. So now I'm going to abandon that and try and pursue a different word. So yeah, to to Scott's point about how this is a different position for us as as Bills fans and how most teams should be handling the draft. This is the first draft in recent memory where I would say it is expected 
that none of these guys are going to come in and start for this team. Like literally zero. I mean, you're, we'll talk about Epines on each pick in more detail, but even him, you've got Addison on one end, you've got Hughes on the other, you've you've got uh, some depth that you've just picked off, you've got Trent Murphy. It's these are essentially guys who you'd already built your core. You would establish the players who are going to help to deliver a winning team in 2020, hopefully, and assuming 2020 happens, because right now I'm not sure what this thing we're living in is. But you go pick by pick through this and you think, okay, you've established some some depth in key areas. You've taken chances with your round four through six picks that, you know, kind of say, all right, we don't we're not 100 percent positive on if we have the right guys in every area in these areas here. So we're going to go ahead and take the best player available on our board in each of those those areas. It was a very odd draft because it was the, you know, it was the highest rated drafts, at least in recent memory, uh, from what I've read. And yet as Bill's fans, it was kind of like, all right, these are going to be about half these players may not make the roster. The ones that do aren't going to be day one starters. The goal will be to like the Super Bowl era Bills did when they draft guys like Thomas Smith and John Fina and Henry Jones in the first round, none of whom came in and started right away. It was all right, sit behind the starters, draft and develop, or we'll develop you and hope you emerge into great players. So yeah, I think uh, the goal is not to get players who can be starters with expediency. I'm sorry, expediency is the only awesome word. I can no, you're good. It's not that awesome. But guys who you can develop and hope they step in, and if so, great. And if not, it's not like, as Scott pointed out, where before, like, oh my God, if they blow this, it's going to set the team back three seasons. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think that that will do a couple of things, um, which we've danced around a bit. Uh, I think that's because the success of this team is largely dependent on number 17 behind center. Uh, and he's already drafted in on the team. And whether Zach Moss or AJ Epinesa uh, pans out or not, really immaterial to that question. Um, so the, the good news is I think this these draft picks build the better team around him. And if he can't succeed, it might be easier to plug somebody in who could. Um but that's a question for a different day. But I, yeah, right. Oh, my God. I, I I, mean, I'm surprised that it hasn't already come up on WGR, like whether we're going to get a – I guarantee you in the preseason someone's going to want to be like, hey, can we get a good look at Jake from? Maybe he could Maybe he could do something that – you know, wait for Josh Allen's first bad game. Anyway, uh, I'm about to sneeze. Okay, well, that you know, and I was going to jump in with a joke that, yeah, I'm still waiting to see how Craig Nall works out and Levi Brown works out and Cardell Jones works out. Maybe give some of those guys a shot, too. Yeah, along no, with that Jake was from to start right away. Yeah, that was a couple of sneezes. That was like a second round of sneezes. Um, yeah, sorry. Pardon me. Uh, but let's let's read off the draft list um, and then we'll we'll talk a bit more. Uh, A.J. Epinesa, as we mentioned, uh, as I talked to Paul on, on draft day, uh, get another dot J name. Uh, in the pantheon of Bill's dot J names, uh, Zach Moss running back from Utah, uh, who Brandon Bean, I think, saw personally. He said Gabriel Davis, wide receiver from UCF, Jake Fromm, quarterback from Georgia. Uh, maybe that's the most surprising pick. And if not, it's Tyler Bass, kicker from Georgia Southern, uh, Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver, Oregon State and Dane Jackson, cornerback from Pitt. I liked uh, quickly before I, I turned over again, um, I liked that Bean in his press conferences, I listened to the press conferences of the players and I listened to the press conference, uh, like three or four press conferences from Bean. honestly, it's like, they're all, uh, you know, bored of not seeing people. So they just seem to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, do, another, super chatty. I'll do another 45 minutes. Sure. Um, but he was asked several times and he had, he had explicitly said that some of the players on the board were not the best, were not the top of the board that uh, several times there were players uh, maybe specifically lower in the draft where, okay, he didn't say which players, but uh, let's say Tyler Bass, kicker from Georgia Southern in the sixth round, wasn't the highest rated player on the board. He said that in some of those instances, it was a question of, should I take a linebacker who, who I have as the best player, who ultimately probably doesn't have much of a chance of making this team, or should I take someone who does have a chance of affecting the outcome of this team? And that's where some of these players... Uh, were taken in 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 later rounds. So I appreciated like the refreshing 
no, it, he wasn't the top of our board, or at least some of the people weren't top of our board. And that in in one case, uh, a player, one of the picks that they taken, uh, they were trying to trade up for another guy who ultimately was taken while Bean was on the phone. Uh, so they ended up taking an, the guy that you know originally was slotted to them. So it was it was unusually candid, I thought, for a a, a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps a bit of the cabin fever, or perhaps no pressure of a first round pick. So you know, there's there's not as much at stake here to say, sorry, Gabriel Davis, I was going to try and get somebody else, but you know, you show me what you got. Uh, I think that I, I disagree with Paul a little. I, I feel like Epinesa will be a part. I, I mean, starts weird for defensive end because it, it is package dependent. Um, uh, right. And we should note the Bills rotate their defensive end. So right. everyone plays between 40 and 60 percent of the snaps pretty much anyway. I feel like there's a good chance he'll be a, a critical member of the defense quickly. Um, you know, you look at a guy like, uh, you know, we'll talk about organizational depth, I guess, as we go through this. Um, but, the, you know. Could the guy like Zach Moss, who's eminently cheaper than TJ Yeldon, uh, you know, make an impact and, and you get rid of a guy like Yeldon? I think that's a possibility. Could Gabriel Davis be a special teamer slash fifth wide receiver? Possibly. I mean, Jake Fromm was explicitly. They talked about him explicitly. And, you know, I think Bean said, obviously, Josh is the starter and Matt's the backup. And but Jake would have the opportunity to prove that there's a good reason to carry three quarterbacks or have a have him on the practice squad. And there's another guy that we signed. I forget who. But I think, he, you know, being made clear, like Fromm's going to be here to compete for the third quarterback. And that might be the practice squad quarterback. But, you know, he, he's going to be here to compete. Um, so and, you know, Tyler Bass kicker. He, he only got one other guy to beat. So if you take a kicker or draft him at all, like, you know, you've only got to be 95% of Stephen Hauschka to, to qualify for Stephen Hauschka. Uh, I'm going to turn this over to Paul. Paul, you go first, as I, I see my naked child is running around outside. So I'm going to kind of listen, but also make sure she's okay. All right. Well, good luck to, to Frank in that endeavor. Normally when there are naked people running oh, I, outside. Wait, I have a new baby since we recorded. Yes. I you should go baby. into that now. Yeah, I'm sorry. We have a new baby. Uh, the four and a half year old has been stuck at home with the now three plus week old uh, Vivian Ann is the youngest. Uh, Evelyn is the eldest. And she has gone through all the emotions of <laughs> jealousy and anger and love, but in a concentrated, quick effort because she cannot <laughs> escape. You know, and Scott has two kids and he probably can relay that like sending the one to school for a little bit was super helpful while you dealt with the younger one. And it's, it's a hard for us, but B six times as hard for her who, who frankly has the language. She can turn around and say like, I'm feeling jealous. It is frustrating. It is. She's like, looked at me and said, it is hard to have a baby. And I'm like, (laughs) tell me kid. And (laughs) you know, and it's like, so she has grown up super quick in the last uh, just three weeks. Um, but, but we have a new baby. Everybody here is healthy and happy and fine. Uh, and it was to be clarifying the eldest who I now can confirm is okay. Uh, was <laughs> running outside the window naked. Uh, she was naked, but otherwise fine. Um, so speaking of running naked, Paul, give us your draft thoughts now. Sure. Easy segue there. So, yes. uh, AJ, you think of nudity, you think of AJ up and not, no, that doesn't really work. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, this was a really, Frank alluded to the fact that Epinesa might contribute immediately, and that is, that is hopefully by all accounts true. What I liked about the approach that was taken with each of these picks is there was a logic behind all of them, and Frank alluded to the whole, better take a kicker in the sixth round who has a half 50% chance of making the team than to take a linebacker who you're surely going to cut. You know, uh, and it just makes more sense to do that. I think you look at a second round, look at a guy like Epinesa and who in the uh, college 2019 preseason drafts was projected to go as high as you'd say three on on several boards that have come up this week. So he's a highly regarded talent uh, who fell because of a poor combine showing and some injury issues. But when we talked about the defensive end depth, 
Jerry Hughes is 93 years old. Uh, Mario Addison is 94, I want to say. I don't know the that's that's the exact number. Trent Murphy is 63. We'll get the fact checker on that. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The baby of the group. Bottom line is, well, there might be stars ahead of him. This is an older unit, and you have someone who is available who has shown the ability at the college level to be a very good bowl over type of pass rusher. And there's always room for that on a defense. And I think this is whether it works. And again, we give the caveat that every single human being has to give the caveat of, we don't know how these picks will work out. Everyone could be terrible. Everyone could be good. You just kind of have to assess what went into the logic behind it. Logically, this is an excellent pick and you certainly feel like it has a good chance of panning out. Moss, I think is a good pick as well. Another guy who was many expected would go higher you are putting TJ Yeldon on notice and saying just because Frank Gore is no longer here doesn't mean you're just going to step into this role. You're going to have to earn playing time. You're going to send a message to Christian Wade that he's not necessarily going to be a guy on the roster this year. Uh, with Gabriel Davis's pick, this is – I saw a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, he, because he's a fourth-round pick, he's sure to make it. I don't know if I agree because you have three guys for sure who are going to be ahead of him in Diggs, Brown, and Cole Beasley. You're going to have – uh, you know, Andre Roberts, is he going to be replaced by Wade or someone else as a return man? Maybe, but if not, you've got Duke Williams, you've got Isaiah McKenzie, you've got Robert Foster, you've got Ray Ray McLeod, you've got all these guys with experience. And I think Davis is actually going to have to beat all these guys out to earn a spot on the roster. You know, from, uh, you know, Frank talked about uh, a little bit that he's going to compete for a three job. Brandon Bean referenced David Davis Webb in the same sense as him. So he was kind of indicating don't expect him to jump in and compete for that starting job, which we uh, joked about earlier. But here we see the, the pattern, uh, someone who they feel, you know, is more talented than his draft position. And they only had to have two quarterbacks with NFL experience on their roster. This guy could be a wild card pick. Why not go for it? So, and then truthfully, I, I don't really see the need to go into too much detail with Isaiah Hudgens and Dane Jackson. I'd never heard of either of them, to be completely honest with you, before this draft. I think it's unlikely they make the final 53 or 55-man roster. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the league knows now uh, when that 55-man deal is going to take effect. So, you know, all in all, I think you look pick by pick, and Frank noted that Bean was very you know, open, you know, gave a great deal of transparency about his picks. I think the logic behind all of these was good. I think, you know, everyone has a chance to be a contributor, at least at some level with Epineza being the highest, maybe Tyler Bass being the highest, if he can unseat Hauschka. So I think this was the perfect approach, uh, you know, for the draft and, and, you know, we'll cross our fingers that these guys are making Good contributions, though not huge contributions, because that means someone's probably got hurt or underperformed uh, come September. Scott? I think, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, like like we were kind of saying at the top, you know, these guys are important, but they're not critical. Um, if I was going to pick one guy who I think we need something out of this season, I think it's it's – I mean, obviously, like Epinesa and Moss both have have a good chance of that happening. Um, I think Epinesa, it's one where it's like I could see one of the top three ends getting injured, and then we're in. We're then we really we 100% need a, a third end kind of rolling in there. You know, with the, with a fourth end, you know, you're not really he's going to get his snaps, but he's not he's not a critical part. You know, you have a little bit of depth there. Um, you know, I know the Bills like to rotate, but I think that's that's less of a concern. And I think I think we'll see him more by the end of the season. I think Moss to me is the bigger deal because I think he needs to be sufficiently capable of of, of keeping Singletary fresh. Um, not that Singletary can't can't do you know forty touches a game uh, on a somewhat regular basis. Um, hopefully, he'll have a full NFL offseason of conditioning, or at least a half of an NFL offseason of conditioning. Um, Mm -hmm. before he, before he, he comes in this year. Uh, but the, I guess the, uh, the concern with him is obviously like, you know, a, a running back can get dinged pretty easily and B it's very quick. Um, you know, Singletary's a little bit on the smaller side. He's not a small back, but he is, you know, he's not a, a bruiser kind of like Moss is. So hopefully Moss is able to quickly kind of 
acclimate and get in there to where he can be part of the game plan, at least on a rotational basis, um, fairly regularly. And then everybody else. Yeah. I mean, obviously you hope that one of the wide receiver sticks from a kind of size body perspective. And it, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter whether it's, you know, yeah, you'd think that hopefully the fourth rounder is better than Duke Williams, but if he's not, it's, you know, Duke provides much of the same role. Um, you know, the Oregon State kid, I forget his name, the the big one, he, he seems to, they said he had like three drops on like 197 catchable passes or something. So that's good. And that's something that Duke had, I think, three drops in the Houston game. So, uh, you know, it, obviously it's a different thing in the NFL, but that's, that's, that's a good sign. And yeah, I mean, and of I mean, course, he is a wide receiver that goes by Zay. So, mm, you know. Yeah, so that's not off to a good start. Yeah, Zay Jones never never dropped a pass at ECU either. That's uh, hasn't worked out for anybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it seems like a good draft, one that we're not counting on a lot of people on. But I, again, I, I think there's talent here. But I think Moss to me is the one that has to go well this year for the is the most important one to go well. I think Epinesa obviously is is great, and I think he'll be good in the long term. But you know, trying to get a lot out of him when we've got at least three, you know, multi, you know, ten million dollar plus guys in front of them is probably asking a lot. Um, the Bills draft largely reviewed well. I mean, I mean, keep in mind, of course, the 2012 Seattle Seahawks draft got an F, uh, and that was the Russell Wilson draft, like an actual F. Um, by more than one person. And so, you know, I've read two different, I, I Googled it. And the first two that came up were both A's, A's for the bills. So, and I think some of that's because they count Stefan Diggs as part of it. Um, so take that with what you will, but now I have a series of questions. Um, can I ask you guys, what do you think a person named Antonio Williams is currently doing? Uh, hmm. he's got to be a Bills wide receiver with the name Antonio Williams. I don't <laughs> I know. know. He, is, he is a Williams. So close. He's a running back from North Carolina signed. We believe, I believe these are all unconfirmed, but, but are, you know, according to sources are undrafted free agents. So I'll read the name. You sure. tell me, you tell me, uh, I mean, I think other times I've been like, I'll read the name. You tell me, is it a Bills undrafted free agent or a whatever? But I didn't put that much thought into it today. It's a long, it's a long, it's a long, it's a running, running gag for this. Yes. Look, there's a quarantine going on. And I just like, what do you think? I just, I'm home all day with nothing to do. Uh, <laughs> Reggie Gilliam. What does Reggie Gilliam play? And where did he go to school? Um, he's an, he is um, an Eaton man. Eaton? But he he came out um, and and he's you know he plays a little bit of of middlebacker, but mm-hmm. he will you know he will he's he's strong in support um, on the attack, and so you want him in your starting eleven. Um, but he's also got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was never really part of the Eden crowd. You gotcha. know, he was there on a scholarship. Um, you know he had you know he got in you know on on a kind of a you know a, a you know a Did, was improvement he, was program. He... Was he roommates with the prince? Was that what happened? He just you no, know. no, no. It's just no. He got there by his own merits, but you know, no one ever gave him credit for that. Okay. And so he always had that chip on his shoulder. So if you get him, if you get him emotional during the match, then he's gonna be, you know, you, you might be able to get him carded. And then Very that's good. the thing that you have to worry about. So okay, that's... and and you were exactly right. He is a tight end slash fullback from Toledo. Um, Paul, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think Trey Adams is doing and what do you think Trey Adams was doing before he was signed by the Bills? Oh, this is a, this is a difficult one. I had a lot of uh, Monty Python Gilliam jokes. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm move on to Trey Adams. So I, I, I got the bad draw. So, you know, Trey, man, what is there to say about Trey? Uh, rough upbringing. I believe he was from a farm in yeah. rural Nevada. Uh, you know, his parents, uh, Jenny and uh, Felicia. John Quincy. John, John yeah. Quincy, yes, that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, That's definitely. Why he's Trey Adams. Thank you, Scott. There was John and John Quincy, and he's John the Third Adams, but the, everybody calls him Trey. Exactly. 
See, this is why you guys are better at this than me. Uh, so, so good old John Quincy Adams the third, Trey Adams with Felicia, a, yes, yeah, with Felicia in, in rural Nevada. Uh, you know, I think he's he's got a, a he's got that farm workers mentality. He's mm-hmm. got he. You're not going to outdo his work ethic. He will be up at 4 a.m. You know, uh, no, plowing the f- that yeah, plowing the fields of the Buffalo Bills field house. Mm-hmm. and making sure that uh, everything is in order. So that's what he was doing uh, beforehand. I think that's what we can expect with uh, Trey going forward. He has released a hype video. I have not watched it, uh, but I'm assuming it is, in fact, him on the farm uh, showing the amazing things he's doing. It is. And, and he was, was yes, he was so happy to be an offensive lineman from Washington as well as all of that. Um, OK, I'm going to read three names. And one of them is not an offensive lineman. Markel Harrell, Brandon Walton, and Ike Brown. Which one is not the offensive lineman? One more time. Markel Harrell, Brandon Walton, and Ike Brown. So Markel, Brandon, and Ike. Or Harrell, uh, I'm Walton. gonna go. I'm gonna go with Markel. I don't feel super confident about it. All right, yeah. Paul. I'm gonna go with with Ike Brown. I thought about Mark Harrell because he sounds like a screenwriter, but okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ike Brown is not. Paul was right. Ike Brown yes. is a cornerback. Brandon what? and Markel are both out offensive linemen. One of these players did not go to a school in Florida. So was it Markel, Brandon, or Ike that did not go to a Florida school? I'll say Brandon didn't go to a Florida school. Okay. I'm going to go back to Markel. I'm going back to the well. All right. Scott, double down, and it works out this time. Markel Harrell went to Auburn. Brandon and Ike went to Florida Atlantic and Florida International, um, respectively. Ike Brown, a cornerback, if I didn't make that clear before. Um, Proving you should always go back. Scott proves you should always go back to the Mark Harrell well whenever you can. Uh, We also have two more players. Josh Thomas, Garrett Taylor, Paul, Josh Thomas or Garrett Taylor, uh, tell me anything you know or want to guess or want to make up about either of those people. All right. Josh Thomas, uh, I thought he did an excellent job as the lead singer of Matchbox 20. Yeah. And uh, what was the other gentleman's name? Garrett Taylor. Garrett Taylor. uh, Loved him on the Facts of Life. Uh, leading, wow. you know, Blair and, wow. and Nancy and Nancy McKean's Joe and and that really just better. a great. So uh, really just exceptional human beings. And I would fully expect them to uh, make the team because clearly I know so much about their football history. So they obviously have to be important. Scott, I, I was just going to I mean, I think I think, you know, some of our listeners are probably familiar with this story because it's gotten a lot of, of media coverage. But Garrett Taylor um, obviously was, you know, uh, it, he, he spent a lot of time with Tim Allen growing up. <laughs> Very important in his mom's life. Um, and, and that's why they, they chose the Taylor name, even though they had no relation to, um, to the show Home Improvement. Even though they knew it was a fictional character of Tim Taylor, the tool man, um, they still really just loved Tim Allen's character. And so that's why he got that name uh, of Taylor. And then Garrett is just uh, a meaningless name that doesn't mean anything. And that's that's that story. So, yeah, the tool man, Garrett, the tool man, Taylor. Uh, I just thought it was great that that Josh Thomas and, and Garrett Taylor could find love and be on the same football team. Uh, so Appalachian State for Josh Thomas. He's a defensive back. Garrett Taylor, safety from Penn State. We will see if any of these players become the next Jason Peters or Tony Romo. or Well, probably not Tony Romo. There's no quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Ike Brown can throw the football, too. Uh, so the, Jim Leonard, who knows? Yeah, Jimmy Leonard. He went to uh, Wisconsin State, right? Is there a Wisconsin State? Uh, I don't know if there's a Wisconsin State. I think most of the public schools, I mean, there's lots of, it's a UW system. So there's UW-Lacrosse, UW-Milwaukee, Eau Claire, Rice Lake, Barron County. See if I can get them all. 
Wisconsin really Tech. Fascinating. Wisconsin Tech. Appleton. No, there's a Michigan Tech. The uh, the hockey program, the hockey powerhouse on the Upper Peninsula, Michigan Tech. Right. Um, but no, no, no Michigan. No Michigan. Uh, yeah. No Wisconsin Tech. So Wisconsin State. Alaska. If they would, they would have to be called what the uh, the harassers, maybe the botherers. If you want to have an analogous name to badgers. Yeah. Although oh, I guess badger would refer to the animal and not necessarily. Usually the, it's the because of the because the animal is. It the does mascot. have the animal. Logo, yeah. yeah. It's a much better logo than like a guy who looks kind of right grumpy. than a guy yeah. dressed as a Weinstein. Right. Sorry. Uh. Oof. Uh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. We've been like we've been inside a long time, guys. I have been inside. I wish you could also Paul's goatee. Paul's uh. Paul's got the <laughs> the the flashback goatee of chandler from the from friends and it looks good i'm not making fun of you it looks good i also have hiccups uh kim pagula was named to the new york state uh reopening advisory board um the group of 100 advisors are sports leaders uh sorry there are sports leaders in the 100 advisors on governor cuomo's uh, group including the Nixon Rangers CEO James Dolan, Mets CEO uh-huh. Jeff Wilpon, Islanders owner John Ledecky, um, and Yankee President Randy Levine uh, in the group, as well as Kim, not, necess- not necessarily Terry Pakula. And so they are part of the New York State, um, you know, how do we reopen safely in our state um, or should we reopen uh, thing? I think that obviously all these people would have some sort of incentive to find ways to open things but um new york state has proven to be very um and and a lot of it's the downstate stuff not so much western new york or upstate but they've they've proven to be amongst the bigger sticklers in the country with regards to their coronavirus response um and there's a lot of things that don't look like they're opening anytime soon in new york so to have an advisory board like this um you know i don't think anybody is going to uh be even with an advisory board like this and people incentivized to open i don't necessarily think that anything's going to get rushed uh in new york state uh any comments on that i I guess i'll open it up to wider coronavirus talk too if you'd like to um uh but it's just you know wanted to point out that the the bills are being included here bills and sabers to be frank uh frankly honest uh, are being included in this in this uh board I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting just from the perspective of the what Paul had referenced, and obviously a lot of the bad press that the Pagulas were getting after the athletic article that that kind of cast aspersions about their willingness to not cast aspersions that reported the facts that they didn't hire a lot of the people who were employed at their restaurants and let them go kind of in the, in the, in the immediate aftermath of the beginning of the coronavirus kind of crisis. And that that was not a good look for someone who's supposed to be a leader in the state. Then obviously I think after that, there was a donation from the Pagulas, if I'm not mistaken, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Several million dollars to kind of relief efforts in general, um, which is, good and and kind of expected and kind of what we were talking about is something that that you know is is a you know theoretically part of the the social contract that we all have as each other is living in a in a country um but you know obviously i think it's interesting in light of that you put two those two things together i wonder how much of that affected cuomo's decision but also given the fact that apparently all of the other owners including fred wilpon who's run the knicks into the ground mm-hmm. um, kind of publicly and wilpon's run the and, mets into the ground james dolan has run the knicks into the sorry ground. that's sorry. okay <laughs> <That's> <laughs> two separate train wrecks i've I yeah. confused um they crashed but, uh, into each other so it's it's fair you can't even tell them apart anymore but yes um, but uh yeah that i think given that they're all on there that's probably just cuomo's just trying to cover all the bases of uh of uh new york sports types um and none of this probably matters anything at all he's just going to do what he wants so because yeah uh, he's the governor so but i i i I only push back in the sense that i don't think the decision about whether to open or not is going to be based on what they say but they might be able to help dictate this is the safest way to open kind of stuff right like they'll be able to say these are the things we're capable of 
handle it. Yeah, no, th- this is this is. I mean, no, it's it's good politics, and it's good and good politics is part of good governance in some ways. Of like, you they are key stakeholders. Yes, and you want them to feel like they are a part of the solution, that they are a part of the process, that they have some say. You want them in the tent so that they are not outside the tent saying those jerks don't know what they're doing. Right. Um, because that, that does not help. That is, usually does not help you get on the stage. Now, obviously there has to be a still kind of a, you know, that they need to make the right decisions based off of whatever the data and the science and the, you know, at some point the economics start telling mm-hmm. them, but uh, you know, that's, that's still, it's still good politics and governance to bring them in. And in some ways, in some of these instances, these are successful people who have, experience that you know someone who's a governor doesn't have so that 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 in that it has value yeah i think in working for a a law firm you would not believe just how many considerations there are and how many things you know the coronavirus is is causing us to have to confront and consider that we just haven't up until this moment in history. And with all the legal issues going on, you know, as referenced that, you know, what are the safest ways to do things? Are we gonna need restaurants at 50% capacity? Is that what's gonna happen? And then if so, what kind of support might businesses need from the government in order for that to take place? That scenario where Kim Pagula with running a, a decent number of restaurants can probably contribute. And with sports, I think we're gonna see it, uh, you know, m- in so many, so many different considerations. One, we've got all the controversies now with uh, ticket refunds, ticket credits, uh, payments due for tickets, event postponement, event cancellation. And then you have to look at when games do start up, are you going to only have to set, be able to sell every uh, sixth seat in this, the venue so that people can properly social distance? Will people need to have testing done? I think this is an area where even if Kim Pagula's expertise is not going to be appreciated, where she can kind of get what's going to be the best way to run the bills out of it and where the expertise will be, um, you know, of greater note is from an op- business operational perspective, what are the things that these organizations are going to need in terms of public support, private support, or just legislation in order to operate uh, as they need to operate going forward. So I, I it, it's tangentially helpful to the bills i think that she's on the committee uh but it, it there's it's more beneficial to i think the sporting world as a whole and you know to just our event you know to, to help us determine how we need to go forward with events in the future so those were kind of my impressions when i i heard about that um yes i like all those thoughts i would like to bring it down or not bring it down i don't know uh brian cox jr Defensive end signed. <laughs> it's, it's Frank betrays his opinions on this one, but yes. Uh, signs of the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Uh, I hate his father. I will never not like it. I will never get over Brian Cox being the biggest asshat ever to play for the Dolphins. Uh, I remember him causing problems, and he cheated because he had his big stupid power pack sticking out of the back of his jersey, and he's a piece of crap, and I'm sure he... It thinks it's just fine that I think he's a piece of crap, but I still think he's a piece of crap, and he's a piece of crap. So those are my thoughts on that. Any other thoughts on the piece of crap? And I'm trying not to hold that against this kid, except I am. The sins of the father. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. It'll be funny if he beats the odds, makes the team, and then are we going to see Brian Cox in a Bills hat? A place uh, where he said he would is... rather retire... He said if he ever got traded to the Bills, he would retire. So, you know, what's he going to do now? He can eat a bag of dicks <laughs> is what he can do. Um, or he can eat a bag of poop. If You know, um, yeah. He's a he wang. He has several bags to choose from for consumption, if he so pleases. He's a wang poop head. And I, th- I, I hate him. And I, it doesn't even matter that, like, this story is supposed to be about his kid, um, but because it, it's not, and he can hey, bite me. And hey, I hate Paul, him. Paul, can you yeah. can you can you look into getting Brian Cox on the pod? Oh yeah, I, can, I would. Can you this tweet him. Be, He's got the right you, last name. I'll tell you that. That's <laughs> hey yo. Yeah. Just uh, DM him real quick. Just see what I mean. I don't think he's doing a lot right now. 
I, I think you just inflate the listener numbers a bit, and I think we'd be okay. I think we can get it. Right. He was a coach in Tampa a few years ago and got attacked by a player. Do you guys remember <laughs> that? <laughs> I've got to look up that headline now. Brian Cox, Tampa attacked. Let's see what Google. This uh, day in Brian headlines. Yeah, I will. Uh, no. Cox headlines. I'll, 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 I'll find this. I promise it's not going to be now, but I will. Uh, I will track this down at some point in time. Frank, did you have anything else on this podcast? Or? <laughs> no, it's not even a heel turn because it's like we already know. Like I. You know, it's like not like a shock or I mean, a surprise or a twist. Or well, yeah, right. like I think the heel, heel turn, turn like, would have oh. had to have been you would have had to have led into it with like, you know, I understand we have a complex relationship with his father, but however, we have to welcome no, him. With I, open I'm arms. just going to kick him in the groin. I'm just going to come out and hit him with a chair. Soon as he's on the ramp and he's not even down to the ring. And I'm just like, I'm ruining the whole match. The segment is shot because I'm just going to beat the shit out of him with the chair. And uh, I guess the heel turn is I'm taking it out on his kid. But uh, right. This is reminiscent of a 1997 slated match between Bill Goldberg and Disco Inferno for Disco Inferno's WCW television title. And while Goldberg was on the way to the ring, Alex Wright, for some reason, came in, yeah. Goldberg attacks him. And then as Disco's laughing, Goldberg spears and and jackhammers Disco Inferno. But as a result of this nonsense, the match never started. And so little known fact, uh, Disco Inferno is the only person I know of to have a championship match slated against Bill Goldberg in the 90s to defend his title and come out of that slated match with his title because the match never officially happened. Interesting. Yeah, that's right, because he he won like 300 matches in a row or something. So, yeah, (sighs) I was a WCW guy. Oh, quickly, before I forget, and this is sorry, sorry, podcast people just deal with it. Paul, on Hulu, there's a show called Dark Side of the Ring, and they just did a Dino Bravo episode about his death. So I think we have to, like, look it up and watch it. Oh, uh, absolutely. I still got to listen to the podcast, do the Jericho podcast. Uh, yeah, no, the, with the Jake Robert. I, I'm, I, because, because of the, the Jake the Trake, the whole thing, that's why I sent it to both of you. And I'm telling you, the Jake Roberts interview is much better than you're ever going to give it credit for until you listen to it. And even though you don't like wrestling as much, Scott, uh, I think Got you'd it. really like this interview. It's 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 a uh, he's okay. a good story. He's a good storyteller. OK, uh, but enough of this nonsense. It's time for uh, our closing segment this week, which is uh, this day in Bill's headlines uh, manufactured by Paul. Um, I'm assuming you didn't do the best of dot J thing, which we do have to do for the bills. Like I, maybe right. I'll, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do a, a trivia for next time. How many dot J players can you name on the bills? Um, yeah, but this is, this is one yeah. of those days where I hoped to uh, do a ton of research and, and do something like that. Inevitably we, dis- we made the decision to, we discussed the potential podcasting this morning, our time uh, and this afternoon for Scott's time. And then we made the decision like 20 minutes before it started. Yeah. So, uh, we will have a whopping eight headlines here, uh, all of them within the last decade, and all of them somewhat related to the drafts. This could be a very quick segment if you guys are on your game today. So here we go. 2018, Bills end draft with wide receiver blank, son of longtime NFL player who is ex-Panthers assistant. I- oh, yeah. This is Ricky Prohl's kid. Austin Prohl? Austin Prohl. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, this can be a quick segment. All Maybe. right, I'll try and slow down. All right. Blank 2017. Blank drafted by Bills while wearing OJ Simpson inspired t-shirt. Says the shirt looks to be inspired by the famous police chase involving former Bills running back OJ Simpson, the white Ford Bronco. Only in the image on the shirt, it's not the Bronco being followed by police, but rather a bunch of Broncos trading a police car. That's awesome. It one. is. Uh, so I don't remember that. For I two. will give. I will give a hint. I give a hint. I don't want that shirt now. This is a second round pick. Second round, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. So that's. Is that the is that the Whaley McDermott weirdo draft? Yes, that is exactly the draft that it that it the was the hybrid. So is that Zay Jones? That is Zay Zay Jones. Jones. Good job, Frank. 
uh, jumping on in. All right, we're going to keep the wide receiver drafting theme going. 2015, this one's an easy one, but it's worth it for the subheadline. Was trading up for blank worth it? What the numbers in some pundits say? Um, Sammy? Sammy is the answer. The article itself says, well, Beckham has become the standard to which Watkins will be held. Tampa Bay's Mike Evans and Carolina's Calvin Benjamin had more catches, yards, and touchdowns. Philadelphia's Jordan Matthews, a second-round pick, had more catches and touchdowns, while fell second-rounder Jarvis Landry had more receptions. Basically, what interests me about that is every receiver mentioned that headline ended up being better than Sammy Watkins, except for two of them, Calvin Benjamin and Jordan Matthews, who came to the Bills to watch their careers fizzle out at the end of them. So... Uh, mm-hmm. I just was amused by that. Also on this day, the Bills exercise their fifth-year option on Stephon Gilmore. Uh, sad face. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about receivers enough on this uh, on this day in Bills headlines, so we'll we'll do that here for 2013. <laughs> Tennessee Tech wide receiver blank agrees to sign with Bills. It says passed over in the NFL draft. Tennessee Tech receiver blank can finally begin putting his troubled college career behind him after agreeing to sign with the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. I will give hints, but I'll give you a second to, to germinate on it. So I will give... 2013, Tennessee 2013. Tech, tr- probably a transfer. Huh. Okay. He, he's beaten out for the roster um, by Chris Hogan, eventually took the spot. And there was a lot of flack... As many bad decisions as Doug Marone make, people are really critical of his decision to keep Hogan over Rodgers and said that it was based on elements that had nothing to do with performance. And, of course, history has proven uh, that that Doug was absolutely right on this one thing. The so last name, Rodgers. Good to know. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, this is what happens when I look at the Charlie, Charlie Rodgers. Nope. Roger, um, Roger. I can't believe. This is what happens when I'm just off my game. I don't remember the... Yeah, I, rem- I remember this story. I remember the guy, um, that he was a talented guy, but but yeah, he had had mixed college career and yada, yada, yada. And he ended did, up, did yeah, end never up played for the Bills, ended up with the Colts for that season. Did have one game where he had six catches for 107 yards and two TDs, but for every other NFL game he played, he had a total of eight catches for 85 yards, and he never played again after 2013. And, uh, yeah, I already gave his last name. Uh, I, yeah, we'll I find. Give. It is Derrick Rogers. Derrick Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That uh, was a thing. It was. Uh, we have a non-wide receiver-based headline, so hopefully you guys can can get this one. Bills wrap up NFL draft picking kicker blank. Now the hints here. Uh, he was one of now three kickers, including uh, the one from this past weekend that the Bills have drafted in the last 10 years. The other two didn't go on to play for Well, this guy ended up being a kickoff specialist for the Bills, then went to Washington, and then his career fizzled out. It is not the other kicker who beat Ryan Lindell for a starting job, then pulled his groin and got, and Dan Carpenter came in, lit the world on fire and they cut him. And now this guy is still the kicker for Washington. So we're looking for the other guy. Is one of the guys, Jordan Gay, is that the name? Yeah, no, but that's yeah, Jordan a, was Gay a was a kicker. Yeah. So yeah, you, you yeah. got, that's, that's accurate. I, I feel like that's the only kick drafted. Yeah. Was this the guy that I'm like, Oh no, I think it was Jordan Gay that I'm like, Oh, maybe like there's a, I remember like having a whole conversation on the pod about like, well, maybe there's like a, you know, a, it's a, a an interesting theory to like, you know, maximize touchbacks or something with a yeah, specialist. Yeah. But I think that was, I think that was him. Yeah. I think that was Jordan Gay. I don't know who is the. It um, is. Uh, let's see. He was very evil in It's a Wonderful Life. Bailey. No. Carlton Bailey. Justin Bailey. No, that's uh, that's well, that's, that's, the good, that's the good guy. Good, that's the good guy, George Bailey. Is the good guy. Yeah, Potter. Oh, Sir, Mr. John Potter. John right. Potter. So that was it. I really there was another there was a transcript headline, and I had the and it was a Mark Asper quote 
Uh, you might remember Mark asked for being drafted by the Bills. It says, I don't anticipate it being an issue. No, it'll be like mama's milk. But I have no idea what he was talking about or the context for that <laughs> statement. And no amount of Googling could get me the answer. But I really, at some point, we're going to devote an entire podcast once I figure out to what the hell Mark Asper was talking about there, because it, it makes me curious. All right. 2011, Buffalo Bills land prize defensive lineman blank. He plays like a ball, a rolling ball of butcher knives, says Buddy Nix. 2011. Defensive end. Uh, it says lands in prize defensive lineman. I don't want to give him too much of a Might give it away. Although you have one and two choice. You just start thinking about it. Yeah. Um, was he a first round pick? He was a first round pick. Aaron Mabin? No, no, a little bit later than Mabin. Still playing in the NFL. Very high, highest pick the Bills have had, I believe, in the last 30, 30 years. Not Marcel, at least. right? Marcel. Okay. 2011. Comrade Marcel. Marcel, Marcel right. yeah. He was, yeah. Who knows? He, it's 20, nine years ago that was, guys. It's, I feel like we were just talking about Marcel on the pod, like yesterday. All right. Uh, 2010. Local wide receiver blank. Headlines latest undrafted signings. I know you guys wanted another undrafted wide receiver on this. Uh, said it was definitely a dream since I was playing in Little League. Blank told BuffaloBills.com, I want to get to the NFL and be part of an NFL team. It's crazy growing up watching the Buffalo Bills and having my family love the Bills. And now just to be part of them is unbelievable. Probably won't hit me until I step onto the practice field. He ended up, I think he was cut, ended up on the practice squad. But then the next season, 2011, I believe it was, he actually was a contributor on the offense, scored a... I don't uh, remember this guy. Down. So, a dad? Still playing Drew Haddad? What what was that? About? Does it, Drew Haddad or something. Haddad was know. also a local University of Buffalo football player who went he on to play... He was a quarterback, yeah. Yeah, no, his dad was receiver. Scott was okay. dead on on that too. But uh, yeah, his dad actually was drafted by the Bills, cut, but then he ended up with the Colts, and I think he had his only snaps there. This guy had. So the other the undrafted. Yes. You be wide receiver on the Bills. Yes. So the Bills have had two University of Buffalo wide receivers that they drafted. One ended up with the Colts, and one ended up with the Bills. Played with the Bills 10, 11, and 12, the Browns in 13. Uh, played with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from 2015 up until this offseason, and then this offseason has signed with the uh, Montreal Alouettes. Well, I got the one, Frank, so you get this. Yeah, guy. I mean, getting Drew Haddad was amazing because that was almost 20 years ago, Drew Haddad, I have to believe. So that uh, was <sighs> AJ Styles, I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know all my undrafted wide receivers that were locals. Uh, he is not any good at winning the washington nationals president's race uh okay roosevelt name and roosevelt name and roosevelt. roosevelt there you go thank you paul that was a great clue thank you all right two to go uh 2006 oh this one hurts uh bills trade up with bears take defensive tackle blank with 26th pick McCargo. McCargo, yes. McCargo. In order to select McCargo, the Bills dealt a second round pick and a third round pick to the Bears. All the and then they went and got Kyle Williams yeah. in the fifth round. Just should have saved those picks, guys. Just you know. Well, when you get a talent like McCargo, you have to, you have to, you have to grab it. Yeah. All right. Chance. Last one. Uh, finally, a non-draft related one. This is a free agent one. Running back blank. Visits Bills for possible backup job. April 2005, it says his production has steadily declined. However, in part due to finger and foot injuries, last season, Blank lost his starting job to free agent Thomas Jones and finished the year with 404 yards on 122 attempts, both career lows. Yes, Anthony Thomas. I didn't say he did sign. Man, you guys were... We're great today. And, you know, except for Derek Rogers, and that was a tough one. Uh, I think you got all of these with some hints. I mean, Potter and Roosevelt needed some pressing. But, yeah, well done, well, guys. It was uh, April 29th in Bill's history. I have a surprise. Go ahead, please. Scott, briefly, yeah. if I may say, I think this is evidence that of our 
of our assessment from earlier that how critical the draft and the undrafted free agents and all those guys have been to this franchise for the last 20 years that like me and Frank did just as well, if not better at this day in Bill's history in April than we did in the actual season when the games are being fucking played. Because, <laughs> because we spent so much time thinking about these. Right. Cause <laughs> and, and there's logic. There's like, we, we put so much emphasis on the off season for the bills in the past, because that's the only time we have hope the regular season. We try and make a blur. It's like, Oh yeah. Boring or painful loss to watch after another. And that's exactly what I was getting at. They replayed the Cowboys-Bills game, I guess, on ESPN this week, the Monday yeah. night football one. And I remember then, like, Michael Gaines played a key role in this game because he didn't cover the onside kick. And Jason Webster was the key injury because he got hurt before the season. And they had, oh, man, I can't remember the linebacker's name. Sounded like a, a made-up name. And I actually have to Google 2011 Buffalo Bills because I remember thinking it was by far the the dumbest, least realistic name in in history, and now I've got to figure out. Well, while you while you do that, I want you to know that I I very quickly went through the all time Buffalo Bills roster, uh, and I have every dot J name available right now. <laughs> oh, I like all. Um, there's also quickly a bit of a trivia. No Buffalo Bill with the last name beginning with Q, and no Buffalo Bill with the last name beginning with X. So those are the only two letters that don't have. One day so they can... need to sign uh, General Hospital's A.J. Quartermain, for right. those of you who watch General Hospital. It, and and you know. Charles Xavier. from Actually, the... there, was a, there was actually a Miami linebacker named Shaq Quarterman from, I think, this year or last year. Got drafted. Now, one day, awesome. we can, one day we can do the name all three bills that have a last name that start with the letter Z. And it'll be great because you guys will just sit there forever. But... <laughs> Um, well, no, we need to do. We need to. We also do need to do better. Noah Williams at some point. Yes. We just do all of the Williamses. I have eleven Buffalo Bills. Twelve Buffalo Bills, counting. Well, I'm going to help you out here. Counting this year, that have a that went by a two initial first name dot J. So you know a dot J, T dot J, etc. Um, I have written down their name their position, uh, the year they were with the Bills, or years, and the college they went to, because that was the information available on this website. That's sure. the football. Thank you, footballdb.com. Um, so as you go for it, uh, we will we will go for it. Um, surprising trend, most of the players from after 2010. So just so you know, I wonder if there's like a naming thing that happened with people, but um, overwhelmingly. But yes, I have 12 here, and I believe that is all of them. When you oh. are ready, just start. Maybe you, Scott and I rotate so that way we don't. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, Scott, okay. you start with one, and I'll name two, and we'll keep going as long as we can go. Uh, we'll, we'll start. We'll I'll start with the easy one, Claudia G. Speller. CJ Spiller, 2010 to 2014, running back from Clemson. And I'll do another easy one, and I will do TJ Graham. TJ Graham, wide receiver, 2012 to 2013, NC State. That's two. Um, okay. Starting to starting to hurt my brain a little here. Um, it's early. This is not good. Um, uh, 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 a quarterback by the name of uh, EJ Manuel. There it is. I was going to say there's lots of easy ones left. EJ Manuel, 2013 to 16. Florida State. I will do... Um, I will do a, a harder one to ease the burden on Scott on the next one. Uh, do you remember A.J. Tarpley, who retired, and then I think recently unretired? Uh, come back. A.J. Tarpley, linebacker from Stanford, 2015 only. Very mm -hmm. good. All right. Let me know uh, when you guys want clues. Yeah, I only know one more, I think, off the top of my head. I'm still trying to think on. You both should I, know two more. There's, 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 there's one that I just, yeah, when you go through the alphabet, you're like, Let's see, MJ. No, I don't, can't think. NJ. PJ Lossman. No, oh no. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, JP Lossman not on this list. All right. I what, tried to help the you. one after NJ. Yeah. What would that be? Thank you, Scott. If you could just say it. <laughs> OJ. Yeah. James Simpson, o. USC o. running o. back. OJ Simpson, the only J name before 2010. Huh. Wow. OJ Simpson. Time. 
1977, then he was traded to the Niners, and then it was, uh, it might be 2012, I think is the earliest name left on this list. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. So that that was the, Lord, you better get that one. And there's one more you better get, because as I as I tried to help you all by saying, including this year, there is a name on this. Is it, on is this it list. AJ Klein? The guy AJ. they just signed in the offseason? Yeah. AJ Klein, linebacker, 2020, Iowa State. AJ Epinesa, our second round draft pick. Correct. That's the one I was going for, right? AJ, I guess technically not a bill yet, but yes. Okay. So you have five names left. You guys have done very well. Uh, all of these players were, okay, well, all but two were one year players. Okay. One will not be a one-year player when the season starts this year, probably. Uh, actually, okay, they're all one-year players, and except for two of them, and two of them can be not one-year players if they play this year. If that if that can help. Yeah, That's I mean that should help. I don't know why we're. Uh, I should two say two players why? that two players that are under contract and could be on the team for 2020. Oh boy, I'm th- yeah. I'm going. I know how you're doing it, Scott, but I'm going by position in my head and trying to do I'm it. Doing, you have I'm just three going, I was defensive players, three defensive players, two offensive players. Um, we don't have any Watts on the team. So no, like one player was signed last year and remarkably didn't find the field, despite the fact that he had a very T.J. Yeldon. T.J. Yeldon, 19 to 20, potentially, from Alabama. Uh, despite the fact that um, Frank Gore was on the team, he barely got on. Another player was here at the beginning of the tenure for uh, McDermott and Bean and was let go and was recently re-signed uh, oh, on the defensive side of the ball. Who? E.J. Gaines. E.J. Gaines, correct. Oh. All right. You got TJ Graham. There's two more TJs, both on the defensive side of the ball. One was a defensive tackle that went to Georgia Tech. And I'm giving you that because I don't know very much else about him. Wow. Uh, TJ Adolphus Washington? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can see this TJ. Okay, so this guy was originally played for the Jets in 2014. He was on the Jets and the Bills in 2015, um, and then played in Kansas City in 2016. He wore number 90. Sorry, he wore number 90 for the Bills. He had played in four games. He started one. He had one assisted tackle in his entire Bills career. TJ Aneng Pally? No, that's IK. Uh, <laughs> man. This is right. this is proof I think that I know I can't the other one. Okay, hold on. Let me let me get the other. Let me get the other. Hold on, let me get the other one. Let me get the other because there's three left. Pro. Right. Two TJs. Two recent TJs. Yep. Uh, here we go. So this guy was a cornerback. Oh, AJ Fadale. What? AJ Fadale. He was no. a Bill. Who? Stop. No. I'm, Paul's going to correct the database. That's, that's he might. Wrong. Okay. No, I just thought of a guy named AJ Afadale. It's not him. <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't. He was drafted by the Bills in 94, but I don't think he played for the Bills. Let's yeah, take this a look was at only him. people who like made the team. So uh, 2011, the defensive back, the defensive back TJ, who went to Jacksonville State, uh, went to, was drafted by he played for Jacksonville in 2011 I should say um, in 2012 he played for the the Bills he wore number 44 uh, and then in 2014 he played for Miami he he also seems to have done nothing with his career and then the last one 2013 is a JJ offensive tackle for Midwestern State that's made up Midwestern <laughs> State that's not a thing. <laughs> He was a Bill and then a Raven. (laughs) He played uh, in three games for the Bills in 2013. He wore number 64 as an offensive tackle. Uh, Midwestern State. Uh, He's got very nice dreadlocks. So so good. The last three guys that you have are, um, are, are, 
basically never played, even though they played. Okay, so TJ defensive back. Um, there's a candy bar named after his last name. TJ T- Heath. TJ Heath, defensive I back, 2012. I've never Jackson heard of that person in my life. Wow. And I'm I'm usually, I, I remember guys like Leon Joe, and I I'm, don't remember TJ Heath. I'm glad you didn't say TJ Twix or something. Okay. Uh, TJ defensive tackle from Georgia State 2015. There is a bookstore that is half named after him. Bookstore that is half named TJ after Barnes. TJ Barnes, defensive tackle, 2015 from Georgia Tech. He uh, he, uh, you know, also played for the Jets and Kansas. K A N K A N would be Kansas, right? Which is weird. Why wouldn't it be KC? Okay. Uh, and JJ uh, from the Midwestern State. Uh, I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to give you a clue for his last name. Uh, JJ Unga, offensive tackle. UNGA, yeah. uh, born in Rochester, California. Sounds um, vaguely familiar, but yeah. yeah. Or Unga, sorry. Unga, JJ Unga, according to the pronunciation. He, that was good. He, he's still <laughs> wearing his uh, Bills jersey in his uh, his photo when you Google him. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's the one that came, comes up. So the, yeah, um, that that's it. You guys did well. I think the three people who never really did anything were the only ones you didn't get, so... I was a little worried that nobody said OJ second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I was like, okay, I'm not going to have to give a clue for OJ. <laughs> but running back 1970s. Uh, Ray also, also like famous for other things. <laughs> um, to stay in Bill's headlines today for Hertz rental car. Right. Yeah. Nick Gunn. So if you are famous for other things, you should let us know. Uh, MNY, MNY Bills on Twitter, uh, bbillsmny at gmail.com, facebook.com forward slash bbillsmny. You can search Buffalo Bills maybe next year in Google and find us. We'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, it's the beginning of season eight officially. So congratulations, season eight, episode one. Uh, everybody, you've made it this far. Uh, and we will have more podcasts as the as the year goes on. Um, I don't know. The summer's usually slow. The summer's extra slow because of things, I'm <laughs> guessing. Uh, and also Scott is far away, but we've made it work so far. And so hopefully we'll, we'll have some time to do some, some of our usual fun summer pods. Um, it'll be tricky though, because you know, we're not having, uh, you know, rookie camp and all those things. They're not going to happen really. So, Maybe we'll 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 focus more on wacky schedule and we'll do what we can uh, to bring something to you. So thank you so much for for listening, everyone. But we got to get going. I appreciate it. Uh, we all appreciate it. Until next time. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.